0: Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy, whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional. A show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni, Across the Pond in Philadelphia, USA.
1: Hey, Sam, how are you doing?
0: Good, good. This week's show I think is going to be a great build on the past two. This agile marketing plan, our agile marketing action plan is coming together really nicely.
1: It is indeed. Yeah. Um and time will tell whether it's agile enough, but uh, but certainly I think that all of the component parts are there. And uh, what we're trying to do is make sure we we give you each section in sort of around twenty five minutes, and um, there's something very actionable to take away um, out of each podcast. So last week we focused on brand and positioning, and the action, and in that action plan, we called out customer understanding and the need to do your homework. Um, that was a, quite a big part of it. And this week, we're going to be focused on about how you turn insight into action. Um, And and the first part is about turning data into insight and then the insight into action. Um, And it's not just about measuring success. Uh, You need to translate the data into insight and then take action on it throughout the whole process. I mean, it sounds easy, doesn't it, Sam?
0: <laughs> but of course, Chris, <laughs> there's a bit we're gonna we're gonna explain that why there's a bit more complicated than that.
1: Exactly. Unfortunately, we cannot end the show there. But the trouble is there's there's three fundamental issues. And actually, there's probably a couple more, but the three ones that um, come to mind. There's so much data now, so much out there. You just got to see your data. Um, So what do you try and understand? Um, And also, there's so much voluntary data or noise, such as feedback or social media reviews. But a lot of it is not accurate. I mean, interestingly, according to FakeSpot, um, which uh, certainly we have in the UK, I'm not sure whether you have in the US, Sam, but 61% of electronic Amazon reviews are fake. Um, and the categories that are the highest are ones that you perhaps would imagine. It's sort of wireless headphones, phone cases, smartwatches, charging cables. So it's a lot about the electronics, but also makeup goes very, very high up there as well. And, and sadly it's um, upwards of 61% of all the reviews are fake. Um, So that just shows you that you have to be very, very careful about relying on one source of data. Um, And the third main issue, fundamental issue, is that there's a whole industry that sprung up about insight and measurement that says, buy me, buy me, I I do the job best. And whether it's a tools to help you on the insight or whether it's tools to help you on the measurement or tools to help you on the social listening. In a sea of data, what do you do? Um, and that's even before you've gone through a process of turning data into insight and then into action, which is a cultural and operational issue on its own. So we're going to crack that in about 20 minutes, aren't we, Sam?
0: we're going to go for it anyway. Uh, I think a good starting point is to define insight. And insight, it's a fundamental truth. It's a truth about the consumer needs and motivations. Remember, we are feeling creatures that think. And it unlocks relevant opportunities for us. So if you're thinking about insight, we can go around collecting as many insights as possible. But if you've got to be able to tie them back to your brand as, as a business and the ones which are relevant to you. So it's, an insight has to connect with your audience. It's got to get them, your customers, your shoppers, consumers to do something. It's about behavior change. And it also should give you a competitive advantage. So when you think about insights, I'd love brands and businesses to aspire to be an insights company that makes things, that creates things. So be insight first, and then the stuff you make comes afterwards. That for me is the is the aspiration mm-hmm. yeah, to I'm be I'm- an I'm- insights company first. And, and then the stuff we do follows from a deep understanding, deep passion, passion, passion for crafting and really having insights that drive opportunities. The question we're really asking is for us to be able to grasp and ask an answer, why do our consumers do what they do? So it's a why question. Why do our consumers do what they do? What are their underlying beliefs, their wants, their values, their needs, their aspiration that drives that behaviour? When you see that customer story brought to life so well that you can say, ah, "I know, I know that person." That's the that's the that's the ambition. So there are th- three or so different types of insight there's one that links to your brand and we talked about brand positioning and how to, how to build a brand in episode 42. So check that out. And and this, this insight, it's, it's really what drives, um, who you are and what your brand stands for. It's, it's really the decision criteria that makes you say yes to this and no to that. And, the, the worst place to be is maybe if you're a maybe brand, mm. you've got a problem. So you really need to, to be really t- forcing people to choose you or not choose you. The other type of insight I like to think about is a category uh, and knowing the consumers so well that it dr- drives um, specific opportunities to grow. So who are the re- who are the people who are really passionate and highly engaged? How do you get them to do something? Um, who are the ones that you can pull into into your behavior? So there's a brand type of um, level, there's a category level. And then the third one, I think comes from communications and, and, and marketing and more, more on the planning and, and communication aspects so it's the when and where are people actually open and receptive to the messaging that you have so that's the third type of insight
1: yeah well said sam um i think philosophically that will make a lot of sense to our, our listeners but still it's not often done so i think we have to explore why that is and i think in a lot of cases it's not arrogance it's not um cmos or ceos going we know best i think it's put in the too hard category or alternatively it's put in the category of well we did the research two years ago or we did it six months ago or whatever um but it hasn't come back up on the priority list and sometimes that can be about inaccurate distorted reporting as well um Yes, 78% of our customers rate our customer service as good, but we only ask for ones where we get them on the end of a phone, which clearly isn't going to give you a representative answer. So I think we've got to be conscious of the fact that this is a an organic process, something that you have to live and breathe throughout the whole process of the life cycle. So let's get into the six-step action plan. Um, step one, I think, is very much about defining that category and the customer insight. Uh, first thing is always to start with a good idea about a category and, and not limit it and not be too broad as well. So, so think what it is exactly that you, you're trying to understand. Um, and also think around the sources, identify the sources that you've got market trends, um, certainly a place to start. Uh, in the In the UK Sam, we've got the National Office of Statistics, which is actually a, a very very good source uh, and and a free source around sort of demographic trends, media trends and the like. Um, I don't know whether there's a us equivalent
0: yeah there's a uh, usa.gov is uh, has a lot of t- statistics for the com- the country overall and there's a few other sources as well so yes, that kind of national um, repository does exist.
1: Yeah. And if you are going to end up using Professor Google uh, to uh, find your sort of market trend data, then triangulate the results. Um, I think this is a crucial point here because we come back to that point about fake fake news or fake reviews or um, sort of subjective blog spots. So what I try to do is always ensure that when I'm looking at a market trend or I'm I'm examining something, I'm finding it from three different sources. Uh and that, that almost comes on to the next point, which is about ensure you're being diverse and inclusive, um, and you're looking for a sort of diverse and um, and uh, inclusive way of sort of researching your sort of subjects, and that's about who you recruit as well. Uh, it's a simple blind spot um, could be around the fact that actually um, who who you're recruiting may well influence what you're actually looking at so you do have to be careful about that as well uh competition yeah i just, yeah, go I on, just
0: wanted to build on that chris because a really important point is a lot of people just rely on internet searches but in the u.s 90 only 90 percent of people have access to the internet so you're excluding 10 percent of the population and making assumptions and you may not be learning from them and and, and their lives uh, so that's just an ex- example of a simple blind spot
1: yeah good 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 um And then you need to build a framework for competitors, customers, potential customers, your stakeholders and influences. And the best way to do that is standardize an approach to target them all. And, And to be fair, you can do this simply with a Google sheet or a questionnaire that you want everyone to fill in. I still use this technique, whatever the budget, and it works. What you're trying to do is create a set criteria for judging, let's say, your competitors' Um, And and having that set criteria is critical to remove any bias as well. The next part of that is also working through the customer journey, using different personas, putting yourself in your customer's shoes. We all have a tendency to think about it from our own perspective, either consciously or unconsciously, and and we need to change that. And, And don't forget to do this with your existing customers as well, as this is not all about external facing sort of. Research and insight. Think about common customer traits. Um, This not only defines the segmentation, but will also define the market. And we forget sometimes that our customers are a proportion of a market. And if the majority of a minority um, of our customers make up the market, it tells us both what we know and what we don't know. So, for example, if you have a 10% market share and you feel that you know your customers incredibly well, don't assume that you understand the whole market. You also need to understand both the rational and the irrational, the emotional reasons for making a choice. And it's that emotional um, element that bring, uh, that ends up being your secret source, the irreplaceable bit. So you have to do that. And personas is a key part of this. This is once you've sort of established that overall sort of customer trends, it's, it's putting it into personas. It's creating a sort of a pen portrait, um, around what do we know what do we understand what what's fact what's assumption about different customers and, and ending up with about four or five personas to show not just the common ground but the um, the um, edge cases as well what's step great. two Sam
0: step two yeah and building on that when you're really understanding and learning from real people there's a there's a great quote by brene Brown and she says I'm a qualitative qualitative researcher I collect stories. That's what I do. Maybe stories are just data with a soul. And so step two is building the skill of effective listening. And that's all about spending face-to-face time immersing with your target audiences to understand them on a really human level. And so when you're doing that face-to-face, that in-depth interview, you encourage consumers and really just let them talk. (laughs) And when you're doing that, observe their body language and tone as well as their words. Be careful about your body language and how you communicate and connect with them. And don't anticipate what they're going to say, just listen to them and, and try to hear the consumer's point of view and really feel what they're saying. And if consumer says something factually incorrect, don't correct them, right? Just listen, just explore their, their, their views and, and don't discount their opinion. Don't judge them. You're just collecting information here. And the other thing I'd say about doing this well is allow yourself to be surprised. And then surprises is an awesome um, outcome of, of doing as well. Uh, and I, just to talk about listening, I just placed an order for some Nespresso coffee the other day. And as we were going through the process, the rep mentioned, oh, wow, you've got really strong coffee tastes, which I did. I'd ordered all this, the ones which were like 10, 11 and 12 strength levels. And and she picked up that my entire order, order was full of the super intense flavors. And she asked if I used co- coffee to make recipes and I said, actually, no, I don't. And she said, well, there's some recipes on the website. I think that actually could really go with with, um, with what you're looking for. And what was really weird was that that was really insanely insightful. And it, it wasn't actually that hard to do. She had the data and then she just asked some questions, got more context and did it in a really, really human way. So that's just a simple way you could turn that insight into, into action and, and through listening. Yeah. So step step three then is to really, when you're in that mindset, in that mode, dig deeper and, and really try and uncover the, the problem, the tension and the struggle. So you're starting to craft statements or expressions from a very consumer centric way in terms of things like I want or I feel, I desire, I need. So it's always from the consumer perspective. But you need to dig deeper. You need to keep going because you're trying to explain the why. So I need this because, well, what's the because? Is it because I I believe it's healthier? Or I feel that my kids should, or I feel that I should. So what is the should? Is it because I'd like to pass it on or because I'm scared of losing it? So what is that thing that is the should? You're digging into the motivations, the aspirations and beliefs. And you're asking the so what? What's the tension? What's the problem? What's the the struggle we're trying to overcome here? Uh, Another angle is to make sure you actually, um, if you're talking to consumers, do they actually really want more of this thing? So if that's something they're after, how do we give you more of that thing that you want? And if we give you more of that thing, you may reward us with more time, with more money, with a referral or recommendation. Uh, And remember, if, if we give you more, we're probably feeding into your passion. So when we say attention or implication from an insight, there's actually a lot of positives that we could build into the insights as much as problems we're trying to overcome.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point, that last one. You know, we have to remember here that this isn't just tying into sort of functional need, it's tying into emotional experience as well. And those emotional experiences can be, they can be positive or negative, but you've got to try and understand them because actually they that emotional need is something that has the greatest impact isn't it
0: yeah and i'll give you an example so an emotional need just say someone has a consumer has a worry so an example of worry well for what what's worrying what's the barrier what's what's the contradiction what are they really what's underneath it all and i think P- pampers is a great one they they have a campaign which is all about babies sleep through the night when diapers or nappies, as you say in the UK, or as I used to say when I was in the UK, don't leak. So babies sleep through the night when diapers don't leak. A good night's sleep helps baby grow and develop. And so all diapers catch poop and pee. But it's the idea that by helping your child sleep through the night, they're going to grow up to be more successful. And, And that's a culturally relevant insight just about most places all across the world and any brand could have done it huggies could have said it so pampers by saying that they got there first they took that ground and they resonated more with their consumers and you can get your consumers really behind you by saying it by talking and by acknowledging that that worry the thing that, that keeps them awake at night but you know what chris there's an even deeper insight behind this because when the baby sleeps the parent actually sleeps as well and as a new parent i'm sure you could relate to to this one as well
1: did you mean when the baby doesn't sleep the parent doesn't <laughs> sleep sam that's why exactly exactly
0: Exactly. So, so this whole insight is really—it's as much for the parent as well. So, as much as you're, you're communicating, hey, it's about helping your child grow and be successful. It's really um, underneath that is actually is kind of self-centered. It's like, a, please, I, I'll, I'll do anything to get more sleep. And so, that's a really powerful insight because that's the depth of the human condition, and it's honest and it's real. So, that's what we mean by insight. You're really underco- un- uncovering that truth and that in- and that perspective
1: yeah absolutely no good good one i definitely relate to that step four is about learning from a brand or product rejectors, as well as this you know we've talked a lot about fandom we've talked about sort of super fans and that advocacy but you want to also focus on the difference between triers and non-buyers um and, and this this is an important part just to try and work it through um what, what you may well find is that you have to listen again to the, the words they use. Perception is reality. I, you know, I always come back to that. So you can't be listening and thinking, well, that's not what it was meant to do. Or, no, you've got that wrong. That's not what it says in our brochure. If they haven't felt something and experienced, then that's their reality. So you have to work through that uh, for them. And interestingly, when you're looking at this, you need to get deep and dirty, really Think about getting into the weeds of what's going on. Work through every single stage of the the website transaction or the customer journey. Um, so, so one of the things that I pay particular attention to is using basket abandonment and exit mechanics to actually focus on non-buyers or people leaving the sort of a sales funnel and making sure that you're following up from a research perspective as to what's going on. The other thing that I think is is crucial and has two benefits is following up on one and two-star trust pilot reviews. Um, certainly, uh, whether it was Virgin Wines or sort of a um, couple of other places that I've worked at since, actually focusing the customer services team on those one and two-star reviews and how can we change them into a five-star review. Then comes back to your brand and your purpose, but, but it, crucially, it gives you great feedback and insight around um, the detractors. And what I love about that,
0: Chris, is that you weren't offended or annoyed or outraged by complaints and those poor reviews. It was actually a source of opportunity because I'm sure that if you could turn around a bad experience, there's so much more powerful than than anything else versus continuing uh, or allowing that to happen.
1: Yeah, and, and also beware that trust issues is incredibly important. There, there's a um, blog post by... Um, guy called Greg, uh, Craig Blome on inc.com. We'll put the link on that, the transcript when we put that up. Um, and that, that shows that research shows that 91% of people regularly or occasionally read online reviews and 84% trust online reviews as much as a personal recommendation. So just as we are looking at those Amazon reviews and going, right, we have to be careful, 60-odd percent of them are fake, from a perception um. They they're coming across, so you have to focus on this. You you really must make sure. And step five is very much about turning insight into action, and and this this is crucial for me, Sam, because there's no point collecting data or thinking about what is the insight behind it if you don't actually do something with it. And And you've got to see this as having a marketing plan, a marketing comms plan specifically about this point. People respond to good and bad news in different ways. Um, Knee-jerk reactions, taking time to process it, um, denial curve, all of those things. They also respond to analytical data and visual data in different ways. So if you want your insight to hit the mark and for people to actually do something about it, ultimately to affect behavior change, as in to Mm -hmm. make sure that it is turned into action, then you need to think about your targeted marketing strategy in order to do that. Um, We we talked in a a previous episode when we were looking at sort of measurement and insight about when I was at The Guardian, we had a a one-page dashboard which looked at daily sales, would look at competitor share year on year, week on week, month on month for the physical and the digital product, but it was a commentary that brought it to life. And, and I think that's an important point that a lot of this still isn't around the numbers. It's about the interpretation and how you energize it as well. Um, so, so a key thing there, I think. And and also a, a really interesting sort of case study. If you think about always and the, the Like a Girl um, campaign, that insight, led to purposeful programming that young girls believe anything is possible but during puberty their self-confidence plummets so you can have a fundamental impact a fundamental positive impact if you approach this in the right way
0: yeah, absolutely, Chris, and and that that idea—it's it, building um, on the this girl can as well from Sport England, which is another campaign that's run for a few years, which is really tackling the biases and and the issues and and getting women and girls into sport, but on 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 their on their terms and actually speaking in the language and acknowledging some of the the barriers and um, biases against them and, and and embracing that and actually changing, changing the, the message and changing the game. Uh, uh, and I think that's the important starting point. You have to have insight 100% based on the reality and the experiences of the consumer. Don't deny and say, oh, no, there's no sexism. Actually face that reality and use that. And if if we talk about another category, um, we can think about, you know, pet food brands, and, and and they have to essentially appeal to real cats and real dogs and real animals in mind when you're designing and creating. And how do you do that well well the, the reality is for a lot of people they would agree with the following statement i think my dog is my perfect child in a dog suit or replace that with a cat cu- with a cat and you know, i think my, my cat is my perfect child in a cat suit and so with that con- concept in mind with that reality from the the consumer's perspective a, a lot of home builders are now very mindful to design pet friendly homes and pet friendly materials because ultimately if the dog doesn't like it they won't buy the house now hmm. you're saying what they're spending hundreds of thousands of pounds or dollars on a, on a home and really if, if the dog doesn't like it and it's so true and I've recently bought a new home in the last 18 months and when I shared this with the construct the, the builder he was he, he turned he was so few yeah there's all these people and these these millennials and they just want this from this for their dog and he was so outraged that the consumer was wanting was it was valuing the pet as much as a human and he just thought it was stupid and I'm thinking wow if you don't see this as an insight as an opportunity to change you're going to be obsolete because your 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 products, your your houses are not going to fit the consumer's needs that are coming through and that, that's a genuine story i was i was he was shocked that i was shocked that he was shocked. it was kind of a, <laughs> a, a a funny moment but again that's powerful insight if you really viscerally disagree or you just have an object maybe there's a lesson to be learned and an mm. objection that that's challenging your perception and your reality
1: yeah good
0: point and so it's, and, and so step, step six then is it's all about measuring what matters in the right way. And there are different extremes in doing that. Now, in my time when I was with Procter & Gamble, we had a very disciplined way of crafting insights into the, what we called concept statements, and then testing them in qualitative ways and quant ways to get measures of liking and purchase intent and brand fit and differentiation. And we had benchmarks and we would check again, if we didn't meet the benchmark or the threshold, we knew something was going to be breakthrough or something was going to be, you know, common or something wasn't going to make the mark in innovation. So there was very powerful, sophisticated ways. And there's another tool that I'm a huge, huge fan of. And this links back to episode um, 42 on how to build a brand. It's a tool called Brand Asset Valuator. And I've had a lot of success with that because it's, it's really turning your brand health and your brand um, brand attributes into into insights and elements of your brand building. It really helps you figure out how to meaningfully differentiate and what's important, what's the true insight that's driving your performance versus um, other drivers. So a couple of ways to measure it, which are a bit more sophisticated. And I think qual is also, there's lots of qualitative ways you can do that well.
1: Yeah. Is it expensive at
0: all, Sam? Uh, I I wouldn't say it's cheap so clearly it's for a larger organization but you're really investing and leaning into the, into expertise so it's for, for for perhaps mid to larger size brands where you're putting investment behind it I would definitely recommend it and um, smaller brands it's probably going to be a tough uh, a tough thing to afford
1: we um, we're, we're um, make sure on the, the blog that we focus on some uh, smaller cost of examples as well I think that would be a good Absolutely. thing to bring out yeah good all right so so what do we start with tomorrow? What do you do? Well, well hopefully you've heard the sentiment throughout the show. You know, it's about. It's not really about um, just reporting. It's about reporting and react um, for every dashboard, scorecard, spreadsheet that you create. You've got to create a process where you're really thinking about how do you turn it from data to insights and accountability. Um, but for me, the, the thing that you should do tomorrow is practice your listening skills and look for both practical and emotional insight. Uh, you know, the ability to listen will take you incredibly far in this life in, in all shapes and forms. So Sam, why don't you give us uh, three takeaways from the session?
0: Yeah, the first one is be a keen observer of people, of events, of things, and the external environment. And the analogy I, I like to share is: don't go to the zoo or even the wildlife park. Be brave and courageous, and, and go to the jungle and exp- and experience that, because that is truly where the insights will will come through. Secondly you have to take personal responsibility to mitigate for the impact of implicit or unconscious bias because that crops up in your research mm. in who you recruit the processes you have and the information you use so that's super super critical to avoid any any potential blind spots and thirdly this whole process, insights, it's an art and a science. And your ambition, your, your, your main aim is to be an insights company that makes things and you make things, make things that drive behavior change. So being that insights company that makes things is truly the highest level to, to achieve.
1: Good, good. Yeah, I'm just going to have one other one quickly, which has got an ulterior motive here. And think about your reviews and um, and uh, which ones are of truth or on, which ones aren't. And talking of reviews, um, uh-huh. we, really, we did you like how I did that? Yeah, I liked I liked how you did that. Sir. Brilliant, thank you. Yeah, you know we, we're um, we're pleased to say that some of you have been listening to our call. And um, giving us a few reviews, but we need more. So uh, if you haven't yet, then please get onto Apple or Spotify and uh, and please leave us a review. Um, yeah, be gratefully received. And next week's show, what we're looking at is the uh, the um, marketing playbook and. What we're thinking about is the the key principles behind that marketing playbook. What what's the foundations that you need to put in place, and the blueprint that you have to have to create a successful marketing strategy. You know, there's hundreds of strategy tem- templates out there. We want to simplify that, work through the quick wins and the, the secret sauce that people have already identified in creating sort of their marketing strategies, and bring that to life. It can be good, Sam.
0: Absolutely, Chris. Another great build on this approach of the Agile Marketing Action Plan. I'm really enjoying the series. So again, you're keeping us busy. So without further ado, until next week, Chris, have a great week across the pond.
1: Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud or anything else, then click on follow. Subscribe or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformedshow at gmail.com.